You love your kids unconditionally and you would do anything for them, right? They're worthy. They're worthy just for the fact that they're alive. And it's the same with all the house cleaners that I deal with. Yeah, there are 9,000 of them in a Facebook group, but many of them will sabotage their own success before the daylight ends today because they don't think that they're worthy. And the truth is they were always worthy. They were always worthy. Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. How the heck are you? I am so excited to hang out with you today. I'm joined by someone that you may not have heard of before, but after you listen to her interview, you're going to want to check out a lot more of her stuff. She's super interesting, and in our pre-interview chat, she just kept blowing my mind with all kinds of weird little nuggets that I've never heard before. Her name is Angela Brown, and she's uh, been in business for 25 years, has a maid service company. She actually exited a few years ago, but she has a 19,000-person YouTube channel. She has a 9,000-person Facebook group, and she's helping maid service companies all over the world train, uh, systemize their business, grow their business, and do really all the things that we talk about in the podcast. But she has a really unique perspective and a crazy story. Just a couple fun facts. Uh, Angela has run 29 full marathons, one ultra marathon, and dozens of half marathons. Uh, for me, if I can jog to my mailbox to get the mail, I am winning that day. So I'm super impressed with that. That's unbelievable. She's the fourth oldest of 19 kids. Super interested in ask, asking her about that. And she's an entrepreneur and she's an actress. She's been in movies. That's weird. You have a weird story. Angela, thank you for hanging out with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of the Quick Talk podcast. So I'm like, it's Christmas. Yay, I get to talk to Josh. <laughs> you just mentioned that. I didn't realize that because I had actually reached out to you. I didn't know that you listened to the podcast. You know, I'm always trying to find interesting people who are doing big things, who step outside their comfort zone, and you fit the bill on that completely, especially after I got to know a little bit more about your story. So let's let's start off as the fourth child of 19 kids. You mentioned to me that you were really shy growing up, and you joined some public speaking courses for 12 years to overcome your shyness. Most people are just shy, but they would never do that. What was your childhood like? Why are you such a high driver? Why are you doing all this stuff? Where's that internal motiv motivation come from? Go ahead. Oh, gosh, that's a lot of questions. Um, okay, so I am the fourth oldest of 19 kids. I did not have anything to do with that. Uh, my parents decided that on their own, and I just showed up when I was in the queue. And so <laughs> I've got... Uh, Seven, there are seven girls and 12 boys in my family. And so needless to say, we grew up cleaning house. That was a part of every single day. And so it was natural that I would, I would drift into the cleaning arena. Um, what is my drive? My drive is, this is going to sound weird, but because of my age, I'm tapping into end of life feelings. Now I'm only middle aged, so this is not like I'm old and I'm about to die any moment. But right now, my philosophy is there's no better time than right now. And right now, I'm in perfect health. 
I have all of my cognitive faculties about me. I have the ability to write and read and record and all the things that I'm able to do. I don't know what the future holds and I don't know how much time I have left on this earth. But I would like to take the advantage of every moment that I have right now to leave something behind and to leave the world a better place than when I found it. That is fascinating. And by the way, I can't imagine how much cleaning you have to do with 19 kids. Uh, Are other people in your family entrepreneurs? Were your parents entrepreneurial? How did you guys pay to feed all those mouths? What was your kind of financial or entrepreneurial education like growing up? Well, the financial education was learned by observation. Now, we grew up broke, and I say broke, not poor, because poor is a state of mind, and broke is a temporary condition. We did not have money growing up, but we were, we were loved, we were cared for, we were fully clothed, we had food. We were farmers, and so we were very self-sufficient, and everyone in the family participated in the family activities. Now, we were homeschooled, which allowed us to get up at the crack of dawn and go work in the garden, and then do our homework, and then in the afternoon go out and work in the garden again. So we worked together as a family. We had lots of house cleaning projects, lots of yard cleaning projects, lots of gardening projects. There was always something to do and lots of help because there were so many of us. And you asked me about was my family entrepreneurial? No, not at all. My father was a train engineer and he worked for Geneva State Steel. He was a locomotive operator. And like I said, we didn't have a lot of money, but growing up, we were farmers. That's what we knew. And at the time we grew up, people would have large families and then their kids would grow up and they would move to another part of the farm and they would get married and have lots of kids and they would develop the farm. But my parents had no way of knowing way back then that the internet would happen and that there would be entrepreneurialism and that kids would grow up and get married and move to major metropolitan cities. And it's interesting because my parents still live on a farm and they have orchards and animals and gardening and all these things, but all the kids have moved. All of the kids have moved to major metropolitan areas. I've got brothers that are roofers. Many of them are in the service business. I've got a couple uh, siblings that are realtors. Six of the girls in my family became house cleaners. Um, We've all started our own small service-based businesses based on our work ethic and the things that we learned growing up. Well, there's, oh man, I want to go in so many directions. Let's start with this. I know that you're passionate about systems. Right. You, you help teach cleaners, you know, how to systemize things, how to work smarter, not harder, all the stuff that we talk about on this show. Maid service in particular is one of the lowest barrier to entry service businesses you can start. People come and go all the time. It's a side hustle. They, 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 a lot of people don't take it serious as a business. You help people learn how to take it serious as a business. Um, talk about systems. Talk about when you started your cleaning company. Was it like that from the beginning? Did you struggle? Did you learn the hard way? Uh, when you started having more success and building your company up and adding automation and systems, you know, how did you come to those conclusions? And just talk, talk about that for a few minutes, if you could. <laughs> All right. I was, I hate to say this, man, you just like cut me to the curb here. Um, I was one of the house cleaners. It was low entry barrier. I did not have the education to start a cleaning business. I had no idea how to run a business. I knew how to clean, and that was pretty much it. That's all you need, right? Wrong. Um, I got into the business on accident. I was waiting tables at a restaurant, and the girl that I worked with that was another waiter started a house cleaning business and asked if I would come help her in her cleaning business. And so I said yes, because I needed the extra money, and so I started with her. And the first day, I realized that our work ethic was off. Uh, She was lifting up a rug and sweeping junk underneath the rug 
And my philosophy was people are paying us. Why aren't we cleaning this stuff out from underneath the rug instead of hiding stuff under the rug? And so at the end of my first day with her, I quit the business and I said, well, if people are willing to pay for this, I mean, I know how to do it. I could just go start my own business. It's easy, right? But like you said, I was shy and I did not know how to close a sale. I did not know how to do a walkthrough. I didn't know what a walkthrough was. I didn't know anything about advertising or promoting yourself or referrals or recommendations or follow-up or anything. So I started cleaning and I did get some recommendations and referrals and just the raw sheer value of my work, I got dozens of referrals very quickly and within three months I was hiring my first employee. So my business picked up, but I didn't, I still didn't have any business skills. I did not know anything at all about money. I didn't know how to save money. I didn't know how to budget money. I didn't know how to save money for in times that somebody cancels and I, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any of those skills. And so I started taking classes at the local community college and I started taking business classes. And one of the things that I, I learned in the business arena is that there are other places you can go for information besides just school. And because I was working full time, I needed flexible learning. And this is way before the internet. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but it's way before the internet. We didn't have <laughs> online courses and YouTube and all that stuff. But they had a program called Toastmasters International. And it's a group where once a week you go spend an hour and there are a bunch of people and the people will ask you a question and you have to stand up and give an answer. And I was so shy. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And they're a very supportive group of people. And so they're like, you can do this. You, you got this. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're good at this. Anyway, so um, I, I practiced and I hated it and I struggled with it. And I went back every week. I went back for 12 years. And during the 12 years, what I learned was I learned vocal variety. I learned speaking in sincerity. I learned eye contact. I learned hand gestures. I learned all the different things that you need to present yourself when you're doing a walkthrough with a customer. One of the things that I learned, and, and I really highly recommend Toastmasters, if you're in any service business whatsoever, whether it's landscaping, whether it's painting, whether it's house cleaning, I don't care what the service business is, if you talk to customers face to face, I highly recommend Toastmasters. It's about $30 every six months. And there's a supportive group of people. They've got hundreds of clubs all over the all over the globe. So pick a club that's in your neighborhood and just go, just go and become a part of it. Um, what's interesting to me? You asked about systems. Systems take away the guesswork of your business. Now I love the philosophy: work smart, not hard. Because there's only one of me, and so in the beginning I was the business. And so the more smart I could work, the more I could accomplish. And so it comes down to a couple of things. Now, if you've watched any of my videos or all of my videos, I wear the same outfit every day. People make fun of me because I wear the same uniform every single day, but it takes the guesswork out of what I'm going to wear for the day. I don't wake up in the morning and say, hmm, let's see, I got a closet full of clothes. What am I gonna wear today? I, it, it completely removes all of that. Now, the truth is I do have a closet full of clothes and at any time I can go in and I can wear something different. But every single day I get up and I put on the same outfit. I take a, the same shower, I do my hair the same way, I put on the same outfit, boom. There's no, there's no decision fatigue. That decision is already made. Then you talk about, like my husband eats every day, right? He goes to work, he eats every day. But every single day for 17 years, I've sent him with breakfast, lunch, and dinner to work. 
I don't wake up in the in the morning and say, let's see, I wonder if my husband gets to eat today. No, <laughs> it's part of the schedule. It's it's routine. It's an automation. And so once you've automated and you can automate every different facet of your life, like he takes uh, vitamin supplements every day. There's no guesswork if he gets them today because they're in a little plastic bag taped to the inside of his lunchbox. They're there every single day for 17 years. And every single day he takes them and he's in perfect health. Yay. See? How, how are work. you so consistent with this stuff? I mean, I think people um, at a high level, they understand conceptually the idea of systems and, you know, discipline equals freedom and all this like structure. But you're doing it and you've been doing it for so long and you ran 25 to 29 marathons. Like, where does your drive come from? You're building a company. You're stepping out. You told me straight up that you were terrified of technology, of making videos, of putting yourself out there online. Mm -hmm. But you're doing it anyway. And at a point in your life, you've already built and sold a company. You don't necessarily have to do this, but you're doing it anyway. Where, Where does that desire or fire inside of you come from, do you think? Well, if you go back to, you asked, you, you mentioned the marathons. Um, when I started running marathons, I'd never done a marathon before. And so who has done marathons? And my philosophy is work smart, not hard. Don't reinvent the wheel. Go to the person that has done all the marathons. And that for me at the time was Jeff Galloway. Jeff Galloway had a book called Running. I mean, <laughs> it's simple stuff. <laughs> so I bought the book and inside is a schedule that you on one day you run two and a half miles, the next day you run five, the next day you run seven, the next day you run three, whatever. And it's mapped out for the 26 weeks prior to the 26 week marathon or the 26 mile marathon. So I followed the system. And at the end, I ran a marathon. I'm like, boom, that was easy. Well, it's it was only easy because there was a system in place. And so the reality is, if you are going to do anything in life, my philosophy is it will never be easier than right now. So, for example, if you're going to run a marathon, it will never be easier than right now. You're in great health right now. Don't wait until you're retired and you're wobbling and hobbling and then try to run a marathon. It will never be easier than right now. You want to do it, go do it now. And it's the same. You, you take those same philosophies and you apply them to daily life. Let's say that you get up from the dinner table and you're tired Well, it's never going to be easier than right now to wash the dishes. All the food has not evaporated and stuck to the plates. Right now, it's just rinse the dishes and you're done, right? It's super easy. When you get up in the morning, it's never going to be easier than right now to make your bed. Just because you're there, there's the sheets and the pillows and all the stuff. It's never (laughs) going to be easier than right now. So we put off a lot of stuff in our lives. And then you walk through the room several times a day and you're like, oh, I should have made the bed. Oh, that looks so bad. And we guilt ourselves into all kinds of things. Well, stop the guilt. Just do it already because it will never be easier than right now. And I tell myself this maybe a hundred times a day. I don't want to do this right now, whatever it is, but it will never be easier than right now. So I might as well just do it. Boom. You have 9,000 cleaning companies in a Facebook group and you work with people. I know you have a a training company called Savvy Cleaner. why Why do you think people struggle? What is the biggest or maybe top two reasons most? Because the reality is most of these companies are small, broken, stuck. They might even intellectually understand what you're saying about there's never an easier time than right now, but the behavior is not in alignment. I, if you've listened to my podcast, I talk about how we don't have an information problem. We have a behavior problem. <laughs> like what? what, from your perspective, why are people not getting the results that they want? I mean, the information's there through people like you, why are half the people listening to this still stuck and frustrated? Self-sabotage. Why why do we punish ourselves? 
Well, it's like this. I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I really don't know where it comes from, but I deal with this all day, every day with house cleaners. There are people that want to be in business and they want to be successful, but at some intrinsic core level, they don't feel like they are worthy of success. And because they are not worthy of success, they do everything in their power to sabotage the success that they have the power to create. And as a result of that, they spin their wheels and they go, oh, the business doesn't work. And then they get out of the business and they go look for another business or another job where they can have better results. But here's the catch. They did not change the behaviors that sabotaged the first business. So they take the same philosophy. And there's some really super smart people out there and they're broke and they have no idea how to run a business. And it's, it's not for lack of training because the training is out there and a lot of the training is free. And so we live in the information age. Any question, any question that you have, there's an answer for it, right? Yeah. And so the information is available and people will sabotage their success over and over and over and over again. And it comes down to this simple concept. We are worthy and there's nobody that's going to give you permission to be worthy of success. There's nobody. But if you've got kids and imagine one of your tiny children in his crib and he pooped his diaper and you come in and you're like, oh, you pooped your diaper. I should change you. And the, the kid is like, no, dad, I'm not worthy. Just leave me in my, my little messy <laughs> diaper for a while. And then when I'm worthy, you can change me. Oh, wow. No, he doesn't do that. Then if he cries, you go in and you're like, dude, you're crying. What's up? He doesn't know, dad, I'm hungry, but I'm not worthy. So I'm just going to sit here and tough it out. And one day when I'm worthy, then you can feed me. That's not how it works. You love your kids unconditionally and you would do anything for them, right? Right. They're worthy. They're worthy just for the fact that they're alive. And it's the same with all the house cleaners that I deal with. Yeah, there are 9,000 of them in a Facebook group, but many of them will sabotage their own success before the daylight ends today Ooh. because they don't think that they're worthy. And the truth is they were always worthy. They were always worthy. That was the most epic response I've had from a guest in the show in a really long time. And maybe, you know, we don't talk about this enough. And like, I was getting goosebumps, Angela, for real. This is, you, you're right. You're right. It's a deep-rooted sense of shame. <clears throat> I know for me, I, I went through this. I'm still going through it where I feel very uncomfortable every time I hit another level of quote-unquote success or my bank account gets too big or it's working or it's too easy. It's almost like we... We try to create a situation where we prove to ourselves that, oh, it was a fluke. You know, I don't really deserve that. I'm not really at this level. And so we do these things. We don't even realize we're doing them to ruin it. And then we say, yep, see, see, told you. We're talking to ourselves, but we're the ones that created it. Oh, my gosh, such a, such a mind bomb. Unbelievable. Can, can we shift a little bit? Do you have any further comments on that first? Um, no, no. I mean... Oh, we can so we can talk all day on anything you like. But that was just so good. Go. It, it caught me off guard. It was so good. So you were talking, um, we were talking before we hit record about the fact that you were in a movie. You were in a, like a Hollywood movie. What what was it called? It was uh, Cabin Fever 2. It's like a horror <laughs> film. So you got cast in a movie. I'm like, how the heck, like what? How did you, how did that happen? And you were telling me how you enrolled in acting classes. Why did you do that? Tell us that story and, and how it applies to business. Well, you know, it's interesting because in my learning, I believe that you can learn. I, I say truth is truth wherever you find it. And so you don't have to only read sales books to become great at sales. 
And there are a lot of facets of our lives that have nothing to do with sales and everything to do with sales all at the same time. And so if you are a well-rounded person, you can have activities in your life beyond house cleaning. So I've been a house cleaner for 25 years as a professional, but I've pursued other interests. And one of the interests that I pursued, which was kind of a step above the professional speaking, which was the Toastmasters, was acting. Because once you learn about body language, then you start learning about things like subtext. Like, for example, there will be somebody that's uh, let's say, for example, that there's a woman who's, and this is in a movie, a woman is being held hostage, okay? And her son calls from school and he says, uh, can I go play at my friend's house after school? And she says, oh yes, that would be fine. What she's saying, what the subtext is saying is please don't come home, right? It's not safe for you to come home right now. Please don't come home. But she makes it sound like, oh, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the subtext is, and this happens, you, you learn subtext when you get in acting classes. The subtext is when you go to a customer's house to sell a job. What happens is the customer might say, oh, here's the situation. And you can look around the house and go, no, it isn't. There was one woman. She said, well, my husband Dave works upstairs. The subtext is there's something else going on here because as I walked around the house, I walked through the master bedroom. There's none of Dave's stuff there. There's a Jack and Jill bathroom and there's all of her stuff and there's no toothbrush and nothing for Dave. I'm thinking there is no Dave, right? <laughs> so there's subtext that goes on and you have to know how to read that. So acting taught that to me. I enrolled in an acting class. I started to learn what is the subtext? What, what is really going on here? Because I'm going inside people's homes. I'm bidding contracts. People are telling me things and they're lies. Not, I'm not calling the customers liars, but it's like when you're sick, and someone says, how are you doing? And you don't want to burden them with your problem. So you're like, oh, I'm fine. You're not <laughs> fine. You're sick. You're almost dead. Right? So you have to be able to read between the lines. Now, when you learn the subtext, and here's what's interesting, and I recommend every service provider take an acting class. It is one of the most powerful things I've ever learned. Because as you scale your business and as you grow, you're going to have employees and they have subtext going on. They might be going through a divorce at home or something, and then they show up to work and they have cancellations and they have fake sicknesses and they call outs and their work is sloppy. And there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's the subtext. And you have to read between the lines and say, this is a really tough situation for this person. I need to be caring instead of blaming right now. And so when you start to understand those nuances, only then can you actually survive and succeed in your business. Okay, another thing about the acting that's interesting is in every scene, in every scene, there's an objective. What is the end goal? Now, with house cleaning, a customer calls you up and they're like, hey, can you come clean my house? That's their objective. And then you get to the house and there's some kind of subtext going on. And then they say, oh, well, I'm price shopping. All right. Well, but if I'm here to help you meet your objective, let's get your house clean like right now. Right. And so there are all these ob objections and excuses and why they can't hire you and the price is too high and all these things. If you can follow the objective and you can help your customer meet their objective, all the other stuff goes away. So I don't spend a lot of time with the objections and the excuses and, you know, doing bids and walkthroughs and stuff that don't amount to anything. We, we close all of our deals. If your object is to get your house clean, why don't I come and I will bring my cleaning supplies with me? We'll do a walkthrough of your house and you can share with me your priorities. And if at the end you like me and you think we're a good fit, why don't I audition for the job? Now, auditioning comes from acting. I'm going to clean your house right now. 
and you can see if it fits your, your expectations, right? And if at the end you don't like what I did, well, I offer a 100% money back guarantee. So there's no charge. And if you do like what you see, let's book out our schedule so that you don't miss the one opening that I have. And people are like, okay. Anyway, they're going to get their house cleaned, which is their objective, right? You're a savage, Angela Brown. If at the end they like what they see, then they're going to pull out their wallet and they're going to give me some money. They're going to give you certificates of good deeds. That's what Mike Dalkey calls money. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But it's it's that that stems from acting. Every single job is an audition. It's really easy to think, well, I've had a customer for five years, therefore I'm always going to be their customer. Uh, No, you're not. Any person that comes through the neighborhood and puts a flyer with a lower price on there can, can knock you right out of your position. Every single job is an audition for the next job. And so even if you had a customer for five years, every single time you clean their house, you are auditioning to keep your job which is one of the reasons why we, we specialize in excellence. But in order to specialize in excellence, this goes back to the systems. You have to have a system in place. You can't show up every single time and wing it and hope that you're as good as last time because guess what? You're not going to be. There are days when you just don't feel as good. And in the house cleaning business, we have lots of women who have lots of PMS. And so if you're cleaning houses through PMS and cramps and irritability, you are not going to be at your A game every single time at which point we have to go back to the systems and the systems decide how well your performance is going to be, right? You have to have the systems in place because on the days when you're not 100%, don't worry. The system has you covered. It's so good. I I don't even know. I like the fact that every single service you're auditioning, I think a lot of people listening, the guys and gals out there, are pretty good at closing the deal. But then they forget about their customer forever. There, there's not a real relationship. It's more of a transaction. Uh, but I love the reminder that we're auditioning all the time. What, what was your employee relationships like? You, you talked about caring and reading between the lines and reading the subtext. Um, how did you handle discipline issues or performance issues? What metrics or what systems did you use to make sure that the product you were delivering was where you wanted it to be? That's a great question. Um, Because I'm from a large family, I understand lots of different personalities. And as a result of lots of different personalities, uh, there are, there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to beat the system. They're going to try to shortchange the customer. They're going to try to take shortcuts. They're going to call out as much as they possibly can. There will always be people that try to jump the system. There will always be people that are trying to get ahead. They want the promotions, they want the fame, the notoriety, the, the publicity. They, the, there's just a wide variety of personalities. And so you have to learn, you have to learn personalities. So again, I recommend taking some courses on people behavior because the more you understand about people behavior, the better you will be able to run your teams. But when it comes down to what are the systems for employees, I have never yet hired a robot, ever. They're people, they're like real people and they're parents they've got kids and so while i might have certain expectations of uh, you know a a, a mom her kid is going to call in from school because they're sick and she's going to have to jump out in the middle of a job and she's going to have to go home and get her kid because there's no babysitter to get the kid she's the mom that's her job and so what i do and this is very different from many service providers where they write you up if you're late and they write you up 
if you don't show up and you get so many strikes and then you get fired and all these things. I don't have that. I have a great big calendar and you come in and you write down when you want to work. And those hours that you want to work are the hours you will be booked and the hours you will be paid for. And if you don't show up, then you don't get paid. And I hire extra people to cover the gaps so that if somebody calls out sick, I have someone else to replace you on their job. And every single person that I have that has worked for me over the years, I've done this for as long as I can remember. If there is one job, I will hire two people to do the same job. And they know that at any moment, the other person can jump in and beat them out of position. If I call in sick, someone else has me covered. That's good. But if I call out sick too many days in a row, I could lose my job because this other person could totally take over. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, especially for, you know, maid service. Okay, so people complain, like, <clears throat> these challenges are real challenges. The frustration's real, you know, like, it, it is annoying. But all of these are solvable problems. We have a t-shirt that my kids wear, my wife and I wear. It says, it is not Mount Everest. And it's a reminder to us. I love it. It's a reminder. Like, I custom made the graphic for it and made this into a shirt because emotionally it feels like whatever problem we have in our business is Mount Everest. It's not, but it, we if we think that it is, then it becomes Mount Everest to us. So, you know, employees, you know, millennials are terrible. Nobody knows how to blah, blah, blah. Customers are too pricey. Whatever you're filling the blank with you being a victim is, these are all solvable problems that other people have figured out answers to. And the way that you explain things is really cool. You're, you're like a logician. I don't know Myers-Briggs personality, but you're very logical and like you put things in boxes and you can't argue with what you're saying because it's self-evident. It's just truth. <laughs> but we have all well, this emotional baggage attached to everything. And you just have an incredible story, Angela. I'm so glad we got to hang out on here. I mean, you're a high-achieving maniac with uh, 18 other siblings who's built a business, starred in a movie. You're becoming a YouTube cleaning star. And you're crushing a huge Facebook group, inspiring other maid services. Give us some inspirational closing thoughts to people that want to kick it into gear this year, stop making excuses, actually implement the systems because there is no better time than today, as you said previously. We talked for a second about my fear of technology. And one of the things that drives me are my fears. They are God-given because I need to learn whatever it is that I'm afraid of. Now, after 25 years in the business, and I started my house cleaning business when there were no websites. And so I flash forwarded into an arena where, I mean, I didn't need a website. I didn't need marketing. We work by referral only. We've got more leads than we know what to do with. I never needed social media. I never needed technology. And I woke up one day and I realized it's not going away. It is not going away and I've, I've got to learn it. So because they are my fears, those are the things I am diving into head on. I'm going to learn video. I'm going to learn technology. I started my own podcast for the same reason. I am, I, am, I am forcing myself into my biggest fears. And the more you do, the easier it becomes. And the easier it becomes, the more skills you have. And the more skills you have, the more you know. And once you know something, you can't unlearn it. And so everything that you learn and everything that you apply makes you a better person, but it puts you in a better position to do something bigger than what you're doing right now. Amen to that. Angela, how can people follow you, connect with you, learn more from you? Where should we send them? Should it be the podcast, the YouTube channel? Can you give us uh, the names of those so people can find you easily? 
pretty much anywhere. If you Google Angela Brown cleaning, I'm going to pop up and just go, hi, it's me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on all the social medias as Savvy Cleaner. But I do have a YouTube channel. It's under Angela Brown. You can also find it by Ask a House Cleaner. Awesome. Angela, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you have a killer 2019 and continue overcoming your fears. You're doing it. You're doing it at a big level. It's, it's crazy. You're inspiring me. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been such an honor and such a privilege. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.